0: My message today is entitled, A Joyful Treasure. The third week of Advent, as I talked about, is represented by joy. It's the only pink candle on the Advent wreath. It's a time as we've been fasting and preparing our hearts, the joy says that we're halfway there. It reminds us not only of the Nativity, but of what we're looking forward to. We're not just remembering something in the past, we are, but we're looking forward to when Jesus comes again. So now we come to the theme of joy. But just just as we have studied hope and peace in previous weeks, it's equally important to understand the joy that's mentioned in the Bible regarding the gift of Jesus. There's many words in the Bible that express the meaning of joy and happiness, but what makes these biblical words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a common theme throughout the whole story of the Bible. In the very beginning, we see one of the very first sources of joy, Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. See, naturally people find joy in beautiful things and the good things in life, just as we all do. Many people throughout the Bible found joy in things like a bountiful harvest or a growing flock or a herd of cattle on a thousand hills. People found joy in beautiful things that God has made. People also find joy when people come together in thankfulness for the things that the Lord has done. They find joy like attending a wedding or the birth of someone. They find joy in spending time with one another and their families. Proverbs 23, verses 24 and 25. Say, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wife's son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. As parents, we rejoice in our children, knowing them to be gifts from God to us. The gift of life is always precious and always special. And we know that none of us are perfect. We know that no one has perfect children. But the fact that God loved us enough to give us a child so that we could understand what it's like to be children of God and to be families of God, that's a precious gift from God. So that even when our kids falter, and they all do, just as we have done, we never stop rejoicing in their lives that they are a gift from God. That brings us joy. Well, the Bible also talks about joy as it compares to other things. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You see, there's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume perfume brings to your nose with the joy that a friend brings to your heart. So the sources of joy are many and diverse throughout the Bible. However, as we all know, human history has not been all happy, happy, joy, joy. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a different and unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude that God's people have and that they adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and God's promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses, as you know, to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did when they got released was to sing for joy. Later, the psalmist recounted those events. He looked back on that story and he remembered how God led the Israelites out of bondage. Psalm 105, verse 43, says he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. Now, understand that they didn't go from slavery into all condos. They went into the desert for a long time. They were in the middle of the desert. They were vulnerable. And and the promised land was still far away. Yet they rejoiced anyways. This joy in the wilderness was a defining moment for God's people. It was a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. It's the same joy that we have. This theme appears throughout Israel's story when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for the day when God would raise up a new deliverer. Isaiah 51, 11 So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And while the Israelites waited for this promise, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's so significant that when Jesus was born, it was announced of what what this birth would bring. Luke 2.10 Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now this great joy would not be compared to simply simple earthly happiness that changes when conditions change. It would not be the same temporary happy feelings at the hearing of good news only to fade when the next bit of news is bad. No, this great joy was altogether different. It was heavenly joy that could begin to be realized right here on earth while connecting us with our eternal state of joyful bliss. Even Jesus Himself expressed the joy when he began to announce the kingdom of God. As he went about talking with the kingdom of God, he was joyful. Luke 10, verse 21. After he sent out his disciples to go spread the gospel and to spread the news, Jesus gave this response. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in his spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. This great joy is close to the Father's heart, and it's the culmination of His perfect will and plan. So naturally, when Jesus or anyone else truly reflects the glory of God's kingdom, we cannot help being overwhelmingly joyful. And this joy is so powerful that it can override temporary struggles. It can override current trials and unfair and difficult situations and circumstances. In fact, Jesus even taught His followers that same joy in the wilderness. That when they were surrounded by the unknowns and being vulnerable, Jesus taught that same joy. Matthew 5, verse 11. Jesus speaks and He says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus said we're blessed when that happens to us. Verse 12, He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How can that be? How is it possible that we're not just glad, but exceedingly glad when we're treated poorly? when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. This is one of the defining points of biblical joy versus earthly joy. And the difference lies in which, tre- which treasure we choose to be joyful over. Let me give you an analogy. There are, there are two locations at which we choose to keep our treasures. Much like two banks with different benefits and different interest rates. Bank One has a beautiful waiting area. The tellers are always friendly. They serve free coffee and donuts every time you go in there. They offer free checking accounts with no minimum balance. You can access your money 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, at ATMs all over the place, and spend it immediately on whatever you want. Sounds good. Bank two. It does not have a physical location that you can visit. In fact, you cannot even access your account to withdraw money or even check your balance. You're limited to only making deposits. And your money is not available to you until you retire. Even in emergency, you can't withdraw it. You can't shift your money around. You have to trust that the bank has your best interests in mind. Simply put, with every earning you get, you have a choice to put your money either in bank one or in bank two. And since they're competitive institutions, once you choose where to put each earning, you cannot transfer the money to the other location. Which bank would you choose? Well, Jesus talks about these two locations where we have where we can choose to store our treasures. Matthew 6, verse 1. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You see, when you do things to be noticed by others, you get your reward immediately by getting positive attention. You feel good about yourself right now because of this attention or this appreciation. In fact, sometimes, although people would not like to admit it, but sometimes when you're feeling down, when you'd like a little boost to your ego, you tell people what you did so they can tell you how caring or how generous you are. In effect, you are making an earthly draw against your retirement account. When this happens, you get your reward here on earth by getting positive strokes and thanks here. But you rob yourself of any investment into your heavenly account. In other words, your reward has already been paid in full because you got the praises of men instead of the praises of God. Matthew 6, verse 3. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret with will Himself reward you openly. When you do good and unselfish things that bless others and nobody knows about it, and nobody thanks you for it, and you are 100% okay with that, with the absence of attention from it. Then your reward gets deposited into your heavenly account. And every time you make a deposit into your joy account in heaven, God keeps, keeps it until you join Him in eternity where He wipes away every tear from your eyes. And sin and sorrow and death are no more. And you are in the presence of God. Now understand that these good works do not save you. Salvation is by faith alone. You cannot earn favor with God. We just receive favor with God. Yet God asks us to keep our focus on our eternal home and the joy that awaits us there. The greater joy and the heavenly anticipation that we have, the greater our faith will be to rise up above injustice to rise up above persecution and offenses that seek to steal and kill and destroy our faith. Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, if your motivation is to impress others or show off your knowledge or skills, you receive your reward right here when others are impressed. But if you remain humble and modest and spend time alone with God daily in prayer, then your reward awaits until you meet God your Father face to face. With each opportunity, we have a choice. We can seek attention and gratification from others, which feeds our flesh and causes us to hunger more for more attention from others while we're here on earth. Or we can choose to not seek attention, not be moved by gratification from others, and not be motivated by the praises of men and women. In doing so, we allow our spirit to joyfully declare that Jesus is our focus, our desire, our peace, our strength. We look to Him alone as our rock and our Redeemer and our our Lord. He is the source of our nourishment, our shelter from the storm. And we truly come into an agreement that He is the name above all names, as the Bible declares. The name of Jesus is above discouragement, so I don't need to go look for pity or attention from others because I know that Jesus is my encouragement. The name of Jesus is above injustice and persecution. So I don't need to complain about all the bad things that are happening. I can trust that Jesus is the one that fills me up and gives me His power to overcome. The name of Jesus is above trials and tribulation. I know that He will never leave me nor forsake me. He will lead me through the wilderness into the promised land. In other words, when you keep your focus on Jesus, your eternal treasure, nothing can steal your joy here on earth, Matthew six verse sixteen. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces and they that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. When they get the attention of others, oh, you're doing all this great work for God. When they get all that, they receive their full award. Reward. When you are doing things for God that are difficult and challenging, and even unfair at times, if you tell others about how unfair it is and how hard it is, so that you elicit their compassion to make you feel better, this serves as a temporary reward to you. However, if your service to God does not go into your heavenly account, the manipulated compassion you receive here is your full reward. Verse 17, But you, you, when you fast, anoint your head. Wash your face. In other words, choose to look and choose to act as if you are content and satisfied and in good spirits while you're suffering for the Lord. We all go through trials. It seems like we're almost always going through a trial. But we can, I can choose to complain or I can choose to rise above it with the joy of Jesus in my heart and say, praise be to God that He is in control. Verse 18, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Whether you are facing persecution or enduring a difficult and unfair trial, do not complain to others seeking their pity. Rather, seek God. Ask Him for His daily strength and daily wisdom. We pray all the time, God, give me my daily bread. God, You know what my, what's going to unfold in my day. Give me what I need. If it's more patience, bring a truckload to me, God. If it's more wisdom, I'm ready, God. Give me, because I, I don't know it all. If it's more boldness, because I've been too weak and not addressing something, God, give me boldness. But, For me, just to save God what I want, I'm neglecting the fact that You already know what I need. The Bible says He knows what we need before we even ask. So we ask God daily, God, You know what's going to happen this day. Give me what I need and let me be willing to receive that so that I can get through whatever comes this day. Then I can just continue to hold on to that joy that's deep in my heart. You see, when we grumble, all we do is make us look more like the world the more the more like the world around us because we merely share the same recycled reward from others but if you remain humble and do not look to receive your, your rewards of immediate gratification here on earth then you choose to focus on your heavenly treasure matthew 6:19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. see, in heaven, people can't take away your joy. Here, if something good happens, you think that your treasure is bigger than something bad happens. We think that our treasure is being stolen because we chose to store our treasure here. To the gratification of others. But God says, focus on Me. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. We choose where our treasure is. We choose temporary happiness or an everlasting fountain of joy. But certainly we are all tempted, are we not? We're tempted to seek immediate gratification. We're tempted to appease our flesh even though we know that our focus should be heavenward, if we're honest. So how do we overcome this temptation? The problem with temptation is that Satan always tries to tell you that your earthly treasure is more rewarding than your treasure in heaven. He always says, you want to get your goods now instead of waiting that long. Let's get your goods now. Did you ever see that stupid commercial that says, I want my money and I want it now? That little general, whatever his name is. That's what the Satan says. Get your reward now. You need it now. It's more important. Don't worry about that later. Just keep kicking it down the road. It takes your reward now. That's the problem with Satan and temptation. Just like Satan did in the garden when he told Eve that God didn't really mean what he said about dying if you eat that fruit. God didn't really mean that. That's not what's going to happen. You see, with every temptation, we choose to believe the devil that our immediate treasure is more fulfilling. Or we choose to believe God at His Word that He is all we need. Am I going to give into temptation to get my immediate reward? Or am I going to struggle through it and trust God that eventually God's going to give me that heavenly reward? The truth is that when we are one with God, when we have confessed and repented and been forgiven of our sins and cleansed from all righteousness, We come into the presence of God with no shame, with no guilt, with no hesitation, only love and devotion. It's so important when we come to church that we take care of our sins with God. Maybe you've been here before when you come into church and you realize that you've messed up whatever it is. And instead of worshiping God, you're focused the whole time on that sin and what you did and you feel guilty. Instead of God saying, take care of that that when you come to me, I have your full attention. See, when we take care of those things, we can come into God's presence. We're not worrying about ourselves or our day or what we have to do. We can just focus fully on God. That's the beauty of His presence that He calls us into, to receive and to enjoy. No matter what the devil or your mind tries to tell you, the truth is that there is no deeper fulfillment No greater feeling and no better place to be than in His presence. The presence of God fills your spirit like nothing else can. The presence of God satisfies your soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions. It causes your heart to be overwhelmed with joy. Therefore, let us not be moved by the aesthetics of the Christmas season only. Let us focus on the joy that Jesus brings to our hearts into our lives. Let us choose this joyful treasure that pulls us heavenward, rising above anything that comes against us here, down here on earth. Let us all choose Jesus by making this prayer be our personal declaration and believing every, every single word by faith. Psalm 16 verse 8. David gave this prayer. Let it be ours. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices, my flesh also will rest in hope. You see, if I have set the Lord before me, if my trials here, and I set the Lord before me, I can go through the trial because I'm going to Jesus. We need to choose where to set God. Verse 11, you will show me the path of life. In Your presence is fullness of joy. At Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May the fullness of joy be realized in Your hearts and in Your home this Christmas season and each day forward as we share the good tidings of great joy with the world. Let us share the gift of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for the gift Cause us to be part of your family, to be your child, your son, your daughter. We pray that your love by the Holy Spirit would keep us close to your heart and keep us close to one another. Lord God, if we choose to forgive others who have sinned against us. We ask you to forgive our sins as well. Make us one by the power of love, the strongest power in the universe. We thank you, God, for giving us this gift. Bless our family here at First Congregation and keep us together as we focus on our heavenly treasure the joy of Christmas, Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray. Amen.